That way we consume and share news today. It is largely rooted in social media outlets, a reason why we decided it's crucial to look at what's being discussed online, like soaring cabbage prices. Uh, what do we make of it? We're joined by Erica for the discussion. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, this I don't look forward to. Not that I'm into Kim Jung myself. I've mm-hmm. never done that. But still. Do you like kimchi? I like kimchi. I appreciate kimchi. But I don't buy the cabbages, so I didn't no. even notice. You know what? That's one thing that I still have. Um, not yet properly learned. Um, I've always, you know, watched my mom make it, uh-huh. you know, at home, uh-huh. and uh, I've been to various events, ah. like at a temple, for example. Chongguan uh-huh. uh-huh. once invited a bunch of uh, chefs and uh, you know people in the industry yeah. to come watch her and participate in Kimjang. That sounds exciting at the temple, which was really amazing. But uh, I don't know for for some reason I I've always thought Kimjang was such a daunting, yeah. you know, yeah. event. Slash activity, so I've never yeah. really tried it. Uh, honestly, if you do it in small batches, yeah. maybe not. But if you've seen these major Kim Jong events, sometimes you give back to charity this way. A lot of companies do this. It's a pretty cool yeah. PR stunt if you think about yes. it. And it's massive in scale. So yes, yeah. I agree. Daunting <laughs> is correct. Daunting. So um, there's a bit of a, a cabbage crisis going on <laughs> in South Korea right now. The Alpine region of Tebek uh, is the summertime production hub of... Um, uh, Chinese cabbage, Napa cabbage, yeah. pechu, uh, which is a key ingredient in kimchi. I mean, you can make kimchi with all kinds of vegetables, but uh, yeah. cabbage kimchi is the most common and most popular. Mm. And uh, the climate in this region is typically cool, mild in the summertime, which is ideal mm. for producing cabbages. But this year, almost half a million cabbages that otherwise would be fermented to become kimchi <laughs> are lying abandoned in the field. Um, overall, Tebek's harvest is two-thirds of what it used to be in a typical year. So we've been talking about weather peculiarities, uh, conditions that we were unprepared for. Apparently the cabbage were, they were ill-prepared too. It's higher altitude. It's supposed to be cooler in the morning and mild even during the hottest times of the day. It just was different this year. Mm -hmm. So how much does a head of a cabbage cost right now? According to the state-run Agro-Fisheries Trade Corporation, the consumer price of Napa cabbage soared this month to $7.81 which is more than man chon won, 11,000 won. That's for a head of cabbage, a piece. One Compare, cabbage. Yep. Compared to an annual average of around 5,900 won. Even if you're not good at math, just twice the price. Yep. Yeah. Now, naturally, uh, the cabbage shortfall is uh, putting a squeeze on not only homemade kimchi, but also commercially produced kimchi. A rising costs of cabbage have pushed uh, South Korea's top kimchi producer, Daesang, to lift prices by 10% starting next month. In fact, cabbage kimchi has been out of stock on the camp- company's online mall for about a month now. Uh, d- <laughs> There's clearly a demand for it. Yep. Uh, That's probably been similar to previous years. Mm-hmm. Supplies run low. Yep. So why the surge in prices of cabbage? Uh, adverse weather conditions. Climate okay. change is the answer. Mm. Um, and that, that this is very, very worrying, concerning. Because it's not, there is no certainty that next year something similar is not going to repeat itself. Yeah, right? exactly. It's not as if we're doing enough, nearly enough, to undo the damages mm-hmm. of climate change. It strikes home for Koreans because kimchi is so central to our diet. Most Koreans easily consume kimchi up to seven days a week. Yeah, yes, yes. for every meal. Yeah. Um, 
Like I said, what is more concerning is uh, the changing climate. Mm. Over the past five summers in the Tebek region, there were around uh, 20 days when maximum temperatures went over 33 degrees Celsius, which would be considered a heat wave. Now, during the 1990s in comparison, there were no days when temperatures reached those levels. Not a single one. Not a single one. In addition to, you know, dealing with these warmer, uh, you know, weather conditions, farmers uh, are facing increasingly frequent extreme events, including mm-hmm. heavy rainfall, typhoons. That can basically destroy a season's earnings. That's after having a heated uh, summer and then being hit by That's right. torrential downpour. So this summer's heat wave was, remember, followed by torrential yep. rain in the Kangwondo province. Cabbages that barely survived the initial onslaught often fell victims to diseases. That's right. Now, some growers in Tebek are already bracing themselves for the worst. They know that it's not going to be sustainable if this weather pattern continues. So oh. they are abandoning cabbage farming in favor of apples. Now, orchards are traditionally found in South Korea in the Gyeongsangnam-do province, uh, but the orchards have been appearing at higher altitudes. Because it is warmer yes. in higher altitudes. That's right. Now, according to the National Institute of Agricultural Sciences, if climate change continues at its current pace, by the year 2090, the yield for Korean highland cabbage will drop by 99%, which means there will be no harvests of cabbage here in South Korea. Uh, so basically no standard kimchi, and we're going to have to make kimchi out of apples, Or apparently. we'll have to import all the cabbages, and which is a very touchy subject for it's South Koreans. kind of a taboo yeah. thing, so I'm not going to touch that with a right. one-foot pole, but you get the idea. Things are changing. Yes. And for consumers, it means something. But for those in the agriculture mm-hmm. industry, this is their, you know, way of living. Yep. And... And it has been for decades, for generations. Can you imagine abandoning that, though? I feel like that's a sense of identity you are actually messing with. But what to do? They can't survive on farming cabbage. Right. Mm. So it's not just about, yeah, we'll adopt to a different kind of cabbage. It's so much more than that. Right. We have an environmental segment in our second hour. Stick around for that. (laughs) All right, on to our second buzzword of the day. Was it or was it not Kim Jong-un's daughter on TV? Speculations always runs wild because we only get snippets, short clips. (laughs) So pundits have to take apart who the person may actually be. Yeah, so North Koreans are uh, zeroing in on Mm -hmm. this one girl who appeared in a televised event recently. uh, And people are saying she could be Kim Jong-un's only daughter. Uh, Chue. Uh, the UK's Daily Mail first reported about this child who was seen among a group of uh, preteen children mm. who were attending the anniversary of the founding of North Korea, which was broadcast by the Korea Central Television. Mm. And uh, the newspaper cited a self-proclaimed North Korean analyst mm. who pointed to the actions of uh, Kim's wife, Lee Seo-ju, around this particular girl. She remains really close to the girl. Yes. There's a little pat on the back. Yes, there's a pat on the back. She's talking to this little girl, you know, personally. They look like they have some sort of relationship. Uh, The girl, compared to the other kids who were uh, decidedly more excited to meet the leader, appeared to be calmer, you know. And uh, she was also the only one of the many children with her hair down and wearing 
white socks. <laughs> Apparently, that's significant. Uh, the camera also seemed to focus more on this girl. Mm. Uh, you know, the cameras lingered on her face mm. uh, for several seconds when a song began, the performance began, and returned to her. More frequently than the other children. <laughs> so these are all indicators. Now, out of South Korea, you may think that's not a big deal. But out of North Korea, everything is a symbol. And yep. it's, it's I, I think, curated to be this mm-hmm. way. Where Why was there more focus on this girl who was wearing an outfit that stood out? Yep, exactly. All right. So if confirmed, would this be the first time Kim's child has been seen in public on TV, no less? Yes, correct. So that's that's why. Yeah. All right. So what do we know so far mm-hmm. about Chu? Well, she is thought to have been born in 2013. Honestly, other than that, there's very little information about her to the outside world. Um, According to South Korea's National Intelligence Service back in 2017, Kim is believed to have three children with his wife. The eldest child, a son, was born in 2010. The youngest is a child of um, unconfirmed gender uh, who was born in early 2017. Now, interestingly, the existence of a daughter named Chue first came to be known to the outside world by none other than former NBA star Dennis Rodman, who uh, famously visited North, visited North Korea back in 2013 mm. to meet with Kim Jong-un. He's quite chummy with the North yeah. Korean leader. Yes. So I guess we would have to take mm-hmm. Dennis Rodman's words. Yes. There you go. Nothing else is confirmed. No. <laughs> Moving on to our last buzzword of the day. I think this is fascinating. Studies suggesting that fetuses apparently... Smile for carrots, <laughs> but frown for kale. <laughs> so <Really>? funny. <laughs> uh, this is science, though. <laughs> uh, we already know that kids are not huge fans of green vegetables. I was. I loved uh, broccoli and all kinds of leafy vegetables since I was a baby. You are such a strange <laughs> human being. My my parents fed us <laughs> everything. I don't know. That has something to do with it. I don't know. But well, maybe um, your taste buds are more sophisticated because that, we sometimes grow into yeah. it, right? Maybe you're just. I don't know about sophisticated because vegetables don't taste great compared to like other but it's breeds. complex wouldn't yeah. you say yep, yep. okay but anyway <laughs> anyway most kids unless you're Yerika don't like greens <laughs> <laughs> well a new study suggests that um, dietary preferences could come about even before babies are born, actually, in their mother's womb. According to a study published in the journal Psychological Science, fetuses in the womb made more of this, like, laughter face uh, response when they were exposed to the flavor of carrots. Um, And they showed more of a cry face response when they were exposed to kale. We're going to stream the image because I think that is hilarious. Look at the the baby on the left. The baby on the left is smiling for a carrot, in case you're wondering. Maybe on the right. Looks miserable. Looks miserable because of kale, apparently. (laughs) Personally, it's hilarious. I prefer kale over carrots. So mine I love kale. Inverse. Yeah. <laughs> but we are grown yeah, women, aren't that's we? That's true. That's true. Past studies have suggested that babies can taste and smell in the womb. How is this study different? Because I've seen nothing else like yeah. it. So this research is the first one that shows direct evidence of fetal reactions to flavors in the womb. Uh, the findings show that fetuses in the last three months of pregnancy are mature enough to distinguish between tastes transferred from 
from the maternal diet. So basically, uh, 35 women were put into an experimental group that consumed an organic kale capsule. 35 were put into a group that took a carrot capsule. And uh, 30 were put into a control group that was not exposed to either flavor. Mm. And they waited for 20 minutes after the mothers consumed the, Mm. the capsules. Then they underwent uh, 4D ultrasound scans, which are compared with uh, the 2D images of the fetuses. And, uh, you know, you you saw the photos. You saw the results. Yeah. So, you know, babies who consumed the carrot, uh, they looked like they were smiling. Uh uh, And uh, this facial expression was Mm -hmm. significantly higher in the carrot group compared Mm -hmm. to the kale and control group. Isn't it fascinating? Isn't it? Uh, look what tech can do for us. I know. Now, advances in technology have allowed for better images of these faces of the fetuses in the <sighs> womb. I do wonder, what's next for researchers? Yeah, the researchers uh, have now begun a follow-up study with the same babies post-birth to see if the flavors they experienced in the womb affect their preferences for different foods during oh, their childhood. Oh, that sounds fascinating. So it's a long-term study. Study. And that's what we're what's yep. needed, right? To yes. better understand what fetuses feel, mm-hmm. what they like, what they don't like, yep. and what could this pot possibly mean for allergies? Oh, yeah, that's a yeah. good question. So these are all important questions going yeah. forward. Uh, would the mother's uh, cultural background influence the outcome of such a study? That is a very good question because all of the women who participated in this study were white mm-hmm. and they were British. Mm-hmm. Uh, further research needs to be conducted with pregnant women coming from different cultural backgrounds. Mm -hmm. For example, in some cultures like in Turkey, people love to eat bitter foods. Mm -hmm. So it would be fascinating to see how Turkish babies would react to bitter taste. That's really interesting. Right? I think most babies are inclined to hate bitter things, I know. right? I mean, I hated coffee until I was like 16, 17. Oh, me much, much. I, I only got into coffee in my mid-20s. Was did you, When did you relocate to Seoul? Because I have a theory. Um, I relocated to Seoul right after graduating from high school. But mm. uh, when I was living in Milan, mm. I was not a big coffee fan. She missed out. <laughs> Entirely totally on did. the birthplace of coffee. I totally did. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Erica, for a fascinating conversation. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.